Welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. So Nathan, uh, we've got a really fun little uh, update for everyone. We wanted to bring our listeners into awareness of what has been going on in our lives, your your life and my life, and and actually the lives of our wives. And uh, yeah, my, we're, we're gaining we're we're gaining we're, people to uh, to get in on the the race to get healthy. But it kind of started as me looking at the the uh, the scale and going, how come I am not seeming to get one foot in front of the other here? And since actually since 2020, when I first got COVID, I have gained like 17 pounds. I was down to like 170. I was running. I'm taking my vitamins. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll get back on track tomorrow. Tomorrow's never coming. Tomorrow, and, yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, I'll get back tomorrow. Yeah. It was, it was ugly and I got sick of it and I was just thinking, I got to get started doing something. So I thought, you know, there's somebody else who needs to get started doing something and that's Beckwith. Hey, what are you saying? That you're saying fat, that you, you need to lose some weight. How dare you, sir? Yeah, how I, I, dare you? <laughs> well, you I, are the fat boy. Uh, listen, listen, <laughs> I, you and I are exactly the same height and you outweigh me by, you outweighed me at the start of this by a pound. Hey. Still, you're the fatty. Okay, no, so no. tell that to your double chin. I, <laughs> I, I, I determined wow. I need to get wow. healthy, and I think that that. So I came to Mike and I said uh, this a couple weeks ago, and I said, Mike, I know that you're super competitive. I'm super competitive. Maybe we could just have a friendly competition and see which of us can get down to one. I said 165 immediately, and you're like, no way, I'll never get to one. Well, it's not that, I, no, I think I could get there. I mean, I could just not stop eating for a month, but but I don't want to be at 165. That's way too skinny. I feel like that's like you're going to float away in the wind. Uh, <laughs> you oh. think 165? I think, like I think I would look phenomenal at 165. I was married at 165. I want to be back. I'm, I've been married for 22 years. Okay. I want to get back to my married weight. So what was uh, A.C. Slater uh, on how much did he weigh on Saved by the Bell? That's kind of what I want to get to. You're talking about Mario Lopez? <laughs> yeah, 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 Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez has like no body fat. I know. So he, he wasn't 165. He was probably like 180, but he probably just, you know, was a lot of muscle. Well, he's ripped. Yeah. You're not ripped. <laughs> Neither yeah, am I. Uh, <laughs> Neither am I. But I just said, okay, so he goes, not 165. Let's go to 170. And I said, okay, 170. And then the next thing I know, then you're like, okay, yeah, we'll do, we'll do it starting on March 1st. And then your wife sends me a text. And she's like, Peter, no, you're going down. I've been Miss Indiana. And I know how to make sure that that Micah cuts this weight and I'm going to be his coach. And then I'm thinking, Oh, it's on. <laughs> and then you got Chrissy involved. So now Chrissy's helping you Yeah, because I said, I, he's got, he's got somebody who has, who knows this stuff. I said, Chrissy, you got to help me. And she's like, okay, I got you. I'll help you. So and then we got Dr. Vinod and his wife, uh, Sue are in and then Daniel, my brother's in. So we got this whole big group now. Yeah. And I talked uh, to Dr. Vinod about it and he's like, Oh, I want in on that, you know? And he's like, I'll never get to 170 right now. But <laughs> so he took 17 pounds. So everybody has March. And so this started out as, as March to 170. Uh, 170, but the name changed. Where did the name change to? It says, uh, our text thread is, uh, eat lightning, crap, thunder. And that comes from what? 
from Rocky. Hey, Rock, we're gonna, you're going to eat lightning or crap thunder, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but we, it's been so much fun. It just teasing each other. And, uh, and by the way, we started less than a pound apart. So Micah was 188.7. Uh, did you? And I was 178.08. You were one. You said I was, I was 187.8. Uh, I was about 189, 188, high 188 roughly. But I think you had, dude, you had a bunch of water weight or something because you dropped six pounds in six days. That's not even physically no, that, no, it's, possible. No, it's totally possible. No, it's, it's not. It's called hard work. And I oh, saw crap. you were eating brownies, man. Bro. You had brownies. You had freaking Parmesan chicken no, no, at our I Kingdom Builders. I scraped all of that Parmesan <laughs> off. I scraped it all off. And you had. You had two servings. Yeah, scraped off. I was just eating the chicken. But I watched you. You came by me with a plate with stacked with Parmesan. And you go, I'm just going to eat the salad i'm just gonna look at the parmesan and then you ate all the parmesan That's not true yes you did no i walked by yes, you because you i wanted you to think i was eating way more so that you would eat way more it was called misdirection and it didn't work it's the art of warfare it didn't work hey I, listen i dropped weight the next day no so yeah because you already weighed so that what are you to weighing? begin with what, what, okay so we started at, at you started at 180 88.7 i started at 187.8 so we could okay? go and yeah. so what are you at today? I'm at Micah. 185, 186, I think. So roughly, I was high 185, so and, low 186. And I'm sitting at 183. And 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 I was low. I was down to 181. So I'm going to get there. So you I gained think. two pounds in the last two days. I think I, I drink over a gallon of water a day. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you like a rented mule. <laughs> that's the idea. It's, that's offensive to mules, okay? <laughs> I, we will not have that talk here. Well, anyway, so you know, March to 170, loser has to buy the other one a dinner. Now we no, never no, just not not just not did just, we say, you know, but your coach too, so your wife. We gotta. That's right. That's, no, it's, that's it's it. going to a nice dinner, and so that's everybody. Yeah, now. That, that means that's like that, seven, eight people. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's going to be the hardest I've ever worked for a meal in my life, but I will be eating that. meal. And then you'll eat that meal, and, and then you'll gain it all back. Uh, and listen. I don't know about that, but at that point, I deserve see, a cheat day. See, that's the question. See, okay, so here, here you said that you brought up the word cheat day. This is what happens with cheat day. You cheat once, and you're like, well, I'll cheat one more day. And then you cheat again. Then you cheat some more. Then you keep cheating. You find yourself literally on a downward spiral, and all the work that you just accomplished is goes out the window, and you're fat again. Well, that could happen. <laughs> but I would say this. I think this, I, I don't know if you've ever... Uh, read anything by the seals but uh jocko like the, the um, animals no no the navy seals <laughs> i didn't know that uh, right J jocko uh he writes he, he writes um actual philosophy for the navy seals and he says that discipline begets discipline so when you add one discipline to your life you know he says ultimately it, it equals freedom discipline equals freedom so if he works out really hard in the gym he's got the strength to carry one more item into battle in his you know in his rucksack or if he can learn with discipline not to need a particular item that's less weight he has to carry into into battle right and so i think that just what happens in our life in general and it's been kind of cool to watch in our thread and just the power of accountability is people shedding other things in their life that have been weights that aren't necessarily weights that's 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 literal fat, but like 
you know, one of our, one of our folks said, I'm going to get rid of a video game in my life. It's sucking too much time out of my life. Or I, I started adding vitamins. I'm, I'm making sure I'm eating all my vitamins and I've added, I think all of us have added exercise back yeah. into our regimen. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, where you're, you're pushing one another. The Bible says push one another to greater levels of godliness. And in, in, in a way God takes the physical and then he, he produces something spiritual out of that. So for all of those of you who think that Mike and I are super shallow, well, we are, no, I'm just kidding, but, <laughs> but we are, we are actually doing something, well, you know, one to of help the, us get healthy. And, and one of the words the Lord gave me really kind of my core word for 2022 back in January, he said, the word I had was for me was discipline. You know, yeah. that's what, that's what I felt like the Lord gave me that word discipline. So discipline your life, discipline your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. And, and, uh, and, and so that's really kind of what I've been doing. So that, that discipline part of it is, is waking up early, you know, and, no, and right. starting to get up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And, and so, and, and I've been way more, cons- I can say I've been way more consistent in 2022 at getting up at five o'clock in the morning than I've ever been in my, in my life. I no, feel that's like good. that's like a good time to really kick the day off, go to the gym, you know, or, you know, start spend, the day, spend, with spend the time Lord, with, yeah. yep, with devotions and, you know, yeah. even just, yeah. So I hate the Stairmaster, but. You know, I'm I'm listening to messages yeah. while I'm on that stupid machine. You know, you're you're just you're taking in you, you gotta you gotta get rid of the weights that so easily beset you. The idea is these are things that prevent you from running at full speed, mm-hmm. right? And they can be sins in our life, vices in our life, even things that we love that aren't necessarily evil, but we just give them too much of a place. You know, I think that that's what I, I really see even over the course of our services, I think we're seeing God calling Life Church to a revival of the heart. You know, confession of sin. Let's let's get this out. Let's prioritize making sure God's in the right place, and and everything else begins to find order when we prioritize the King and the Kingdom. So it's good. It's good. It's a lot yeah. of fun. And thanks for doing it with me. And man, I, happy, I love. Be uh, happy to take your money. At I, the end, no, so. I will be taking your money. <laughs> You will lose. Oh, Heartily. Man. You are not going to just lose. You're going to lose, and it's going to hurt you by how much you lose. Yeah, right, right. I'm telling you. Well, listen, you know, when you uh, when you lie and you start off actually at 182. There's no lie. And you stepped say, on the scale that morning. Uh, I stepped on the scale that morning. And I stepped on the scale a lot of mornings before that, and it was all in that, <laughs> in that range. That's why I started to panic, because I was three pounds away from 190, and I do not look good at 190. Uh, have you ever been to 190 in your life? Yes, one time. one time. And I couldn't button my buttons. I had to go to a funeral, <laughs> and I, I'm trying to get my collar buttoned. And all my fat is sticking up above my <laughs> collar. And I pushed my chin down, and I saw what I would look like at 300 pounds. I'm like, panic, panic, panic. <laughs> no, that's funny. It, it's, it's those moments when you... Uh, you I think we've all had those where you're like, oh, crap, this isn't fitting like it used to. It's like, who's shrinking my clothes? I blame it on the dry cleaners. I'm like, okay, the dry cleaner's ruining my clothes again. This oh, has got to stop. You know, there is a funny story. There's an 80, 85-year-old woman in the church, and, you know, she's in her 80s. I think she might even be older than that. But she walked up to me one day, and she just says it the way it is. And she <laughs> she goes, Pastor Nathan, I love you, but you're getting fat. <laughs> And I can honestly say that I, I had a nine-year-old 
who, who said I looked like Grover. That's what forced me into the gym when I was 19 to start working out because I was too skinny <laughs> and an 80 something year old woman who tells me I'm too fat. So, you know, when was this, was this recently? Oh, it was, it was probably two years ago. And she said, I don't, I don't want my preacher fat. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, hey. Okay, does she go to Fisher's or Noblesville? She goes to Fisher's. Okay, good. She's not her at my Her first campus. name is Mary. Her <laughs> no. second name is Lou. That's funny. I just, I just have to be like, oh, man. I, I love gotta- you, Mary Lou. <laughs> you don't realize what your words, power of, of life and death is in the tongue, That's Mary right. Lou. That's right. And you I spurred you. him to discipline no, Mary Lou. Mary so Lou. well done. She was telling the truth. Well done. She was telling the truth. And that's what we do here on Jesus, Sex, and Politics. We sure we do. We tell the truth. That's right. And sometimes people don't like the truth. The hard truths are sometimes not liked, but they're needed. Yeah. And man. that's why we're here. We're not here just to talk about our, our fatness today. We're here to talk about actual issues that are going on in the world. So, uh, you know, if you've been following any of the news even if you don't follow the news you're starting to see bad policy and leadership decisions that are impacting your life whether no matter where you live you can't get away from it and we see that more than we've ever seen it now with the gas prices you've never you cannot get away from this everything that happens in our culture deals with gas prices if the gas prices go up guess what every price goes up because how do you get goods and services to to your your city and your town it has to be driven there or flown there or transported there with fossil fuels, with oil, with energy. And so we've seen gas prices go up, which is going to hurt. It's hurting now everybody, right? It's hurting us all right now at the pump, but it's going to start hurting us even more so in things like buying food at the store. It's going to hurt us, uh, you know, when energy uh, uh, heating for our homes, everything is tied to this. Now, where did this all come from? Because the talking point that we've been told in the media, the spin doctors are starting to do their work and they're saying, hey, this isn't like anybody's fault in the United States. It's not Biden's fault or Democrats' fault or or any, you know, it's not our fault. It's Putin's fault. They now have a villain that they can blame all of their bad decisions and the consequences that come with their decisions. They can blame it on an evil villain named well, when, Vladimir Putin. Yeah, when when asked about gas prices just uh, one or two days ago, uh, you know, Putin is questioned by a journalist, what about gas prices? And he goes, they're going to go up. They're going to go up. And uh, and he, and then he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And he said, nothing we can do in, in the in the short term there's nothing we can do and then he says but it's it's russia's fault oh you said that uh, you said putin said that you meant biden no biden said biden, that. Said, that. biden yeah. said this when 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 gotcha. question right so yeah. um you know the the idea that this is not the president's fault is absolutely not true on his first day when he comes in and he cancels the keystone pipeline and he cancels all of those different contracts on federal land and when he's shutting down coal and they're trying to make coal a thing of the past when you have a war against american energy and you know and and you're you're using all the power of veto and 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 the thing about um executive orders from an executive order from a president when it's not passed into law by the Congress, it can immediately be undone by an executive order of the next president. And so what we have been operating under with all these executive orders, and that really, really, really hit a big uptick under Obama, 
right? Where Obama does it, then Trump feels like he's got to do it. Then Biden comes back and undoes or does whatever he wants to. This is not the way our republic is supposed to be governed. It's supposed to actually be passed into law by the legislator, legislature, but when the legislature doesn't do its job in many ways, now we get almost like dictatorial type governance, which is not what America was designed to be. So there's a major problem. He can undo all of the Trump policy by a stroke of the pen. And that is exactly what he did. And that over time, that was going to cause this problem big time. And, and, and then you say, well, where else did he do it? You have to talk about Afghanistan. Yeah. Because, yeah. because he doesn't show the unbelievable weakness in Afghanistan that, that emboldens the bad players in the world to go, nobody's going to stop us. Yeah. This guy's not going to stop us. This guy's pathetically incompetent. He, he's, he's not going to yeah. stop us. And so now is the time. You know, I, I think we talked about this on another on another episode, but I had a Facebook thing and I said, man, if I'm the enemies of America, I attack now mm-hmm. because we are weak. Yeah. And this is the time to, for, for, for leaders. And even though we might not like those leaders, mm-hmm. they want to win too. They want to position things the best they can for themselves and 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 who they that they lead. They were going to do it, man. Yeah. And and all this gave the opportunity. I think it's you know I I don't know I kind of just think it's poetic justice. I know some uh, some millennials, you know, people my age and your age, Nathan. Like we, I'm a Gen X. Are you really? I'm not You're a millennial. Old and fat. I am a Gen Xer <laughs> and I am fat right now, but ah, I man, won't be. Thanks funny. to truth telling old that's ladies. Funny. That's that's awesome. No, but I look at the millennials, and the millennials were some of the most offended uh, people groups of uh, under the Trump administration when when Trump would say things that they just thought were totally off putting, or that they uh, they just you know they he said he's being mean, or you know a lot of times Trump, yeah, he was again. It's that tough love, it's that Mary Lou type love, yeah. where it's like, yeah, that probably wasn't necessarily the nicest thing to say, but it needed to be said because it's it it exposed a problem. And it caused it caused the attention needed to go towards that problem. And I think, uh, and and I'm not saying Trump said everything right. Trump certainly said things that I even disagreed with, and the way Absolutely. he said things, he wasn't perfect by any means. But but to the bad actors of the world, they knew that Trump would put America first. He would put who he was leading. And th- I I say this all the time: America first policy to the to the millennial Christians out there that that think that that's somehow selfish or wrong to be a a America first person as an American, I would say, do you treat your family that way? Because God didn't place you as the head of the household over the Beckwith family. But I could say, Hey, if you think America first is selfish, then why don't you provide for my family first before you take care of your own family? You would say I'm crazy. And I would agree with you. I would be crazy saying, Hey, Joe, Joe Smith, you need to make sure that the Beckwith family is covered before you take care of the Smith family. We'd say, no, you Take care of the Smith family first. Lead that family well. Make sure it's healthy, it's godly, it's going the right direction so that you can then be empowered to take care of the families around you that God has brought into your purview. Without a doubt. When we're on airplanes and the cabin pressure drops and all those masks drop out, what were we instructed by the the flight attendants? Put yours on first. That's exactly right. You, You have to... 
you have to at least to some measure care for yourself before you can care for somebody else. Even in the scriptures, the Bible says that we are that that, that a husband is to love his his wife, right? We're, we're to love them the way that we love our own self, right? And we love our neighbor as we do ourself. Yep. If you don't take care of yourself first, how can you then take care of somebody else? And then Paul isn't it Paul the apostle that that says, look, if if a if the leaders of the church can't take care of their own families, oh, yeah. how are they going to take care of the families of God? Oh, hundred percent. You know? And I think that's where the millennials, going back to my point, the millennials saw Trump and they said that he's selfish, he's arrogant, he he's he's mouthy. And yeah, to some extent, he probably was a little bit of all those things. But that's the type of leader in this environment that we needed. And the Lord knew that too. I don't think it was a coincidence and an accident that Donald Trump won the presidency in 2016. There is no way like in God's green earth that just by coincidence and accident that that man should have won the presidency. There were 16 or 7, 18 other candidates, I think, on the primary stage in the 2015-2016 Republican primary that were far better and more qualified, quote unquote, to be president. They were more smooth talking. They, they had all the right answers. Trump said so many things on the debate stages in 16 that should have that should have just if it was any other candidate it would have it would have destroyed them but for some reason it was like there was a supernatural wind in his sails that led him to victory and yeah. I said I stepped back and said all right lord you know better than I do and if this is the guy that you want now I wasn't a huge Trump fan at first don't get me, me wrong yeah. I was but but as it played out in 17 and 18 when he fired the 76 a tomahawk missiles in Syria and took out that airport, that airport, that air base that they had there because they were. He sent a message. He sent a so, such a strong message to the bad actors of the world and said, "Hey, we will find you and we will kill you if you even think about doing atrocities like this to Americans or to your own people." Even, and I, yeah. I love that. That's what that's what will keep wickedness back is in when check. you have bold like unapologetic, strong leadership that says when there's evil, we're going to kill it. We're going to seek it out or we're going to kill it. And right now what we have in Biden is we have the opposite of that. We have weakness and we have pandering. We have these begging OPEC, our enemies. Think about this. He's begging nations like Venezuela and Iran who hate us. They absolutely hate us. He's begging them for oil. He's help us, please. We're the Americans. Help us. They're thinking, this is awesome. These guys are on their knees while, begging. While he while he says, buy American. Buy American, <laughs> buy American, buy American. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I worked it out the other day. I thought, I wonder, okay, how much money does does uh, America spend on on Russian oil? It turns out that it's $59 million a day. So take $59 million and then say, what, what war in, instruments can Russia buy for $59 million every day? Turns out they have their greatest fighter, I guess, is called a checkmate MIG, right? Those are $30 million. So two MIGs are purchased by American money every day to be used on Ukraine. So we say, oh, we we support you, Ukraine, while we're financing your destruction. There's no way, this should not have taken as long as it did. Now, now he said, we're not going to use any Russian oil now, but he only did that because of the unbelievable pressure yeah. that was coming. When you have all these American companies going, we're not going to do business with you, Russia. We're out of there. 
you know, mm-hmm. then then I think what it's doing is sending a message. Yeah, but we're small time in comparison to that $59 million a day. And then we could get this oil for that would that would feed our own people in terms of how many jobs did he cut off with the stroke of a pen? 50,000 oh, jobs that yeah. were the that, that that were there for um the Keystone pipeline. Yeah. 50,000 jobs. And he said and, and we he had the audacity to say Go find jobs in the green energy oh, industry. Yeah, yeah. You could just, uh, I think what he said is, why don't, why don't you become a, a programmer or something like that? Like, oh, okay, tell all of our- kind of like Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris saying, hey, just go buy an electric car. They said this just a couple days ago. They said, what would you tell the working families that are struggling to put fuel in their in their tanks right now? Yeah. And they said, just go out and buy an electric vehicle. Oh, like, yeah, Like, oh, yeah, $60,000 sure. electric yeah. vehicle for the guy who works at Walmart. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, by the way, you know, oh, and, and Colbert- you know, from the Colbert report, right? Well, he was like, I don't care if there's $15 an hour or, you know, a gallon gallon gas. I drive a Tesla, right? Okay, great. But you even have Tesla president Elon Musk. And he's (laughs) like, yeah, we need to increase oil production. I hate to say it, but we need to increase oil production. And, and, and he firmly disagreed with, with Trump on energy policy. This guy is, is, you know, very much client climate change religion. Um, which which is ultimately what this whole thing is about. Yeah. This is about religion. What is their 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 overall God, and what do you believe is going to play out in all of this stuff? See, I believe that the Bible says that the the silver is God's, the gold is God's, all the creatures of the forest are God's, the cattle on a thousand hills are God's, all the earth is the Lord's. Okay, so what did he put? resources in the ground to do he put the copper there he put the tin there he put all of these things that we we harvest out of the ground these are the gifts of god did we not think that oil might be the gift of god that maybe oil isn't this bad thing in the world but it's actually this wonderful thing in the world if you can think of a, a something that has changed the world as much as the internal combustion engine i'd sure like to hear what it is uh iphones Oh, just kidding. Yeah, you, you know this. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but the, the the concept is what technology is produced out of natural resource, yeah. and and if if God put it here to be used, we're not we're not saying hey go be litter bugs go destroy everything. We're we're people that are conservationists. We, That's where the word conservative comes from. Uh, yeah, yeah. Take care of what you yeah. have. Right, yep. but you don't just go out liberally and waste or just you know blow things. Yeah. You, you you take you take care of the resources that you have very carefully, doling them out and using them, but using them. We're not afraid to use them, and I think that's, that's the right. And, and it goes back to what you said. This is a religion, Nathan. The God to the environmentalists is the it's environment, Mother Earth. It's it's the environment. It, it's not it's not any different. That's yeah. that's what they that's what they believe in. Mother Earth, Mother Earth, Mother Earth. Look, I don't know if you've read the book. If you've read the Bible, you know how all this ends. God destroy, God's going to destroy the earth anyhow with fire. It's all going to burn, and he's going to recreate something. But what I can promise you is that is that humanity is not going to be you know, wiped out because of some existential, this is their word they mm-hmm. use, existential threat. Uh, you know, we're, we're arguing over how do we tr- change the, the, the oceans by a fraction of an inch. Yeah. 
Come I, on. I was, uh, I was, when I was running for Congress in 2020, I got invited to speak uh, to the Young Republicans Club at Burbuff High School in, uh, in Indianapolis. And it's a Catholic, it's a Jesuit school. And, and they, uh, it was the Young Republicans. But one of the things I noticed very quickly is that these 10th, 11th, and 12th graders in this club, there are probably about 40 of them there, they were very, very liberal when it came to climate change. And they all truly believed that the world was going to end in 10 years if we didn't, if we didn't do something. And they asked me the question, they said, what, what will you do to help curb climate change? I said, I'm not worried about climate change. I said, I, I, we, I said, we need to take care of our stuff and we need to, you know, be good stewards of the resources and, and of the, the climate for sure and the environment for sure. But I said, I'm not worried about it at all. I said, there's, and, and they, they were shocked. I said that. I said, well, why do you say that? that we're, there's, there's proof that we're going to be, you know, underwater. You know, the seacoasts are going to be underwater in, in 10 years. I said, oh, that's interesting because they were saying that back in the 80s. In 10 years, everything is going to change. In the 80s, it was global cooling. Oh, I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. They was the same scientist, and they're still alive to this day, and a lot of them, are, they haven't all died. That's why you have that, the term climate change versus global warming, global cooling, because they can't determine they don't know what's which going direction on. it's going to go. Because in the 80s, it was we need, they actually pumped gases, uh, carbon emissions, into the atmosphere in the 80s. Scientists did, the same ones that are touting climate change today. The same scientists were pumping carbon emissions into the atmosphere to warm up the earth because they thought we were going into another ice age. And then the 90s hit, and then the climate began to shift, and it started warming up. And they said, oh, shoot, all the polar ice caps are going to melt. And that's when Al Gore came out, you know, late late 90s, early 2000s, you know, and began to, his uh, famous, you know, mid-2000s, uh, you know, flying around in private jets telling us how mm -hmm. bad we were mm -hmm. for not limiting our carbon emissions. And and then it started to change. You started to see the global warming wording go to climate change. And I told these kids that I said, guys, they don't even know what's going on. I said, ultimately, God is the one who is the, the ruler over the climate. And we have 200 years of data at best that lets real, like firm data to think that we know how the earth has been, like what the, what the median climate should be. And I'm going to use their terms, millions of years. Now, I don't believe it's millions of years, but millions of years. How can you take 200 years in a course of statistics and place it over, uh, over a plot of 2 million, 3 million, 100 million, or however millions, even a million. Let's just, let's just whittle it down to a million. 200 is not a good sample size for, for a million. So how can you take 200 200 years of data and say, oh, well, we know what the climate should do. We know exactly how the earth should operate based on this 200 years of data. That's bad statistics. Yeah. That's, that, and so they're doing it. You, you go back to when Mount St. Helens went off. Yeah. Right? In the 80s. 1981? Yeah. When it goes off, here's what scientists tell I wasn't us. born yet, by the way. Okay, I was. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't dressing myself. Um, but, but, but you were still fat. No, oh. I, I wasn't fat then. Uh, Kidding. I'm just going to no. throw that in All anytime right, anyway. I can. So, um, so anyway, Mount St. Helens goes off. What the scientists told us was that 200 years worth of emission gases, so, so, so as if all of the cars in the entire earth were functioning for 200 years, <laughs> that was how much One eruption. that eruption caused it. And they were worried whether it would ever clean 
you know, what was that area of the country going to look like yeah. now on? Well, you go out there today. It's beautiful. And it's gorgeous. Well, I wonder how that happened. I want, it's like, I, the, it's like God knew It's like God the, knew how to take God, care of the You mean God created a filtering system <laughs> for these things called volcanoes that he made himself? No. That he would figure Dude. out how to make sure the earth cleaned itself? So, and, do you remember, amazing. Nathan, do you remember that uh, old uh, TV uh, commercial where it was the Indian and the he was standing on the side of the road and the car drove by and threw, threw out a, a piece of litter and the Indian had, had a tear rolling down his eyes. I you remember, remember, you remember that. that? So there's this, I feel like this would be like the, you put the environmentalists out at Mount St. Helens when it erupts and this is what they would be doing. They'd be like looking at all the, the one person driving a big like Hummer and then Mount St. Helens erupts and they turn around and it just like, it floors them. But there was a Simpsons episode where the Indian was standing on the road and the, the Simpsons drive by, throw out a bag of food, litter, and it just comes after this. This episode had to do with like trash, like for some reason, all the trash I remember of, of uh, their home, whatever, what was it, Springfield, they, it just like overwhelmed Springfield with trash. So there was piles of trash from, you could see them from miles away in Springfield, right? Well, the Indian's not looking at Springfield. He's looking at the car and they throw out a, one little piece of litter and he, he, he starts to cry and then he slowly turns around and, and then you see him just like, it goes to dark and then you hear the Indian go, ah, <laughs> like screams, <laughs> like when he sees Springfield totally littered. I feel like that's the same analogy of what would happen in Mount St. Helens when the eruption goes off. You have these environmentalists that are saying it's cars or as AOC would say, it's cow farts that are causing all of this. And then all of a sudden in literally a matter of minutes, you pump full of of gas the atmosphere and and they're like oh my gosh all of the work that we've been working for has totally been discredited and over overtaken in two short minutes and then the lord's like hey chill out like you said i've got a filtering system why are you worried about this this is yeah. i made this to operate this way yeah you know i i think that it's there is an arrogance yeah we that, we know that, better that that well, and it goes back to Romans one, right? These people would not acknowledge God as God, and so they create things that they worship. So you're either going to worship God or you're going to worship man-made creation. Yeah. I think in the beginning, a lot of the climate change mentality was to take power because you got this problem. And the old adage is never waste a, a crisis, right? Politically, yeah, never, that was, never uh, waste. Rahm Emanuel, uh, right? Said exactly. That Obama's chief of staff. Never yeah. waste a crisis. So if you can say we have a crisis, inspire fear, keep talking about the fear constantly. So you know whether it's COVID or whatever, right? <laughs> Do you so realize keep, that? Because we got the Putin crisis right now, the Ukraine crisis, that COVID has miraculously gone away it, it was amazing <laughs> it, it was so amazing how covid amazingly went away whenever it's an election it's been, year it's been two weeks i haven't heard or seen dr fauci into can someone please tell me where science is i really miss seeing science on tv you know where what? is he at? i was watching i i i every once in a while I'll go and check out snl just for their i just like to see where they stand on their politics thing it's kind of like keep your friends close and your enemies closer so oh, yeah, yeah every every once in a while i'll watch that but right after all the covid stuff was done there was this 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 skit and it has you know uh I think people from New York, the show is, is in New York and they largely follows New York policy and stuff. So, uh, it's got all, all these six 
actors sitting around, but they're, they're, they're talking as couples about, hey, can we talk about the mask? Can we talk about this? And none of them, they're asking questions about what did it really change? And they have to admit, <laughs> did the science change? Did, you know, so they, they had to draw attention to it themselves. And what's the big thing that changed? They, all these conservative places are being mocked for, for us saying, hey, schools need to be open. Hey, business needs to be open. We need to get back to Don't this. mask our kids. Don't mask. And then... And then the, the, the liberals are going nuts and telling you're gonna them, you're, you're going to kill all of us. And now they're saying the very same It's words. funny. It's like, oh, it used to be a conspiracy theory until it actually came true. <laughs> it's like, you're just a conspiracy theorist who doesn't think COVID's real. It's like, listen, we never said COVID's not real. We just said you guys are overreacting. This is a bad case of the flu is what it is. If you're out there and you're thinking, boy, these guys are being really flippant about that whole thing. <laughs> I just want to tell you something. If you can't laugh at some of the things and the dumb stuff that we see in the world, you you would curl up into the fetal position and just want to die. You have got to keep things in in perspective, and which is why I love the scriptures. It gives me hope. I, mm-hmm. It takes fear from me. It doesn't tell me I have to operate in fear. I operate in faith. What I did uh, forward? What did John Wesley say? The quote uh, that you you were telling me earlier: "Take a hundred pastors." Yeah, I wish I could get that right. Um, it was it was something to, uh, along the line of if I had a hundred pastors who feared nothing but Jesus, you know, uh, then 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 the world could be changed. We could we could we could we could change this whole world um you know we have to raise up leaders who will speak with faith and not fear and we have far too much fear coming to our people today and the 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 pastors whose responsibility it is to speak life and truth uh guys we we just need you to speak keep speaking and don't be afraid don't be afraid of what's going to happen. Just keep speaking life. We got a job to do, the Great Commission to accomplish. We can't curl up in the fetal position. That's There's always going to be something. Just so you know, just get ready. There's always going to be something that could strike fear in your heart if you let it. It could be the gas prices. It could be Putin. It could be COVID. It Just because we get through COVID doesn't mean we're done. We're out of the woods. Just because we get through Putin doesn't mean we're done and out of the woods. You have to learn to live above fear. But you will only get to that place if Jesus is your king and he is your God. Because at that point, you realize there's nothing this world can do to hurt me. Yeah. Because my God's got me. His provision will never fail me. Yeah. And what do I have to fear? I'm telling yeah. you, when we when we at Life Church, when we started pastoring, like like just like that, like you're death proof until God says otherwise, is when we started growing. We grew in the middle of the pandemic when churches around us were shutting their doors and dying. We were growing. And it, and I, I will, I know without a doubt, it's because we stood up and said, guys, you're death proof until God says otherwise. There's not, there, he knows the days of that are numbered in your lives. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. COVID's not going to take him by surprise. If you die from COVID, well, guess what? You just won the lottery if you know Jesus, because now you get to go be with yeah. him and he's not shocked by, yeah. by that. So live like you live like God is in control. Yeah. And, 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 and perspective changes everything. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus does in us, you know, with, with, with the speaking faith to our hearts. I got thinking about gas yesterday. I'm like, man, I didn't have that budgeted that, that I'd be paying this much in gas. Right. And we're right now in our kingdom builders, um, 
kick off two weeks and we're coming up on, you know, just faith promises. Well, we, you even think about faith promises. There's a lot of people, they look at where inflation is coming and all these things. They start to determine, am I going to give to, to uh, missions? Am I going to give to the kingdom of God? Am I going to do this? And they start to go, well, things are different now than they were before. Well, did God take care of you before? Then is God not going to take care of you now? Did God's kingdom become less of a priority uh, now than it was before? Did did God not not know that gas prices were going to spike? Did God not call us to continue to do the work no matter what? All of those things He knew. You know, if He can, if if He took care of filling your tank yesterday, will you believe that He's going to take care of that tomorrow? And 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 just operate in faith and to some degree, in optimism. I got thinking about optimism, and we need to probably, uh, you know, wrap wrap this episode up. <laughs> Maria's been texting me off the phone. We have to go to a meeting, and it's with the mayor. We're doing a cool, oh, like, right, right, right. we're doing a cool, like, uh, building project, and, and uh, so we were talking to them. It's going to help a lot of ladies, so... <laughs> Should no, I expand on that? I can't no, probably leave it can't. at that. You, no, I don't know. I don't even know where you're going to go. <laughs> no, it's like it's a it's a great project. It's going to help. It's going to help people who are, women who are stuck in addiction. And so we. But anyway, we, oh, we we we've got to get going. Yeah. So we've got to wrap this up, Nathan. Let me, let, me, let, me talk. let me leave you with this. Marie's right? going to be mad. Okay. Let me leave you with this, and, <laughs> and we'll and we'll close down shop. Um, when it comes to hope, speak optimism. One of the great speakers of optimism was Ronald Reagan. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, he, he would go back and he would always talk about Rush, uh, how, how Ronald Reagan could, could laugh, he could joke, he could find the good in the midst of the bad, and he always had a big smile on his face. When he was shot and he's on his way to the hospital, he gets out, he's got, a, he's got a, a, a bullet that is an inch from his heart, and he gets out of the, out of the limousine and he waves to the cameras as he walks in to, to the hospital. And as soon as he gets through the door, he collapses. Mm-hmm. And he says, are you guys Republicans? Are you, are you, you, you surgeons, are you Republicans? <laughs> like, he's cracking <laughs> jokes. And they say, yeah. well, we are today, Mr. President, yeah. right? Um, he's, 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 showing, he's showing strength and he's showing resolve and he's showing optimism. And whether that's in your company or it's in your family, or it's in your church. If you're the leader, have an optimistic heart because that brings that brings people through. It, it, it inspires courage. So inspire courage today. Yeah, amen to that. You can even look at just what you know the president of Ukraine is doing right now, Zelensky. Right? I mean, he's optimistic. Like he's like, no, we're fighting. We're staying. We're staying on the ground. We're not giving up. He sounds like Churchill. He really does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is inspiring to watch. Um, so anyway, well, Hey, hope you guys, uh, are staying optimistic. Remember God is in control. He is, uh, he is the one that is, uh, that we put our faith in and it's faith over fear, regardless of the gas prices, regardless of, uh, pandemics and war, regardless of weight loss problems. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, that is yet to re- be seen. Uh, the weight loss is not much of a loss at this point, but it will get there. Nathan, you're gonna lose. You're Mike, gonna lose. You're gonna lose so bad. No. It's gonna be uh, March to 170. Oh, Let's whatever. do it. Hey, 
Hope you guys had a great week. We'll see you next week. This has been Gia's Sex and Politics. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And we talk about all the things that are going to scare you. Oh, wait. I said your part. (laughs) (laughs) All the things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. But be optimistic. (laughs) 